Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. It is that time again, Aaron. We are back with another episode, the February 1st edition of Bass Edge Radio. Well, Kurt, it is good to be back because I have been running around in the frozen tundra. Of course, I can't complain. It's all self-inflicted, but been out of Colorado doing a little snow skiing. And buddy, let me tell you, there is a lot of snow. They have absolutely been getting dumped on, but uh, certainly all of the uh, snow sports are are loving life. I, I mean, all those enthusiasts, it's crazy. You've never seen anything like it. Additionally, trying to get uh, kind of moved into a new house that seems to be within just weeks away. Of course, I've been saying that for about the last year, but filling that nitro boat up with the new gear, getting ready for the tournament season. I understand uh, you've kind of been busy too. You bet, bud. It has been a great time. I've been getting ready for this FLW Tour season that's coming up like right now. <laughs> so uh, it's been a whirlwind. And and while doing that, I actually had a chance to go down to uh, Lake Comodero in Mexico and uh, get in some fantastic fishing with uh, Ron Speed Jr.'s adventures down there. I, I got to say, dude, if you haven't been, uh, I know we ran an article actually on our website uh, not too long ago with people. Robbins talking about some of the uh, fishing down there, and it is just out of freaking control, man. It is awesome. Lots of big bass, just lots of bites, man. And, and there's no better way to really understand the game of fishing more when you get that many bites, whether it's top water or, you know, working deep structure or, you know, throwing a spinnerbait. Those are some of the things that we were doing down there. And, and, um, you know, just getting bites and so many of them just makes you a, a whole angler. Any fear of coming back and then not having the same satisfaction, you know, when you fish the U.S. waters? No, not at all. You know, it, you, you just got to realize, you know, you're going on a, on a special trip, you know, the hospitality and all that is, is a different aspect, obviously, but, you, you know, talking about the fishing, you you just, you know, you learn so much because you get so many bites. You know, I, I know I just said that, but I got to reiterate it. There's no better way to understand how to work a bait, how to land fish, hook fish, than being able to have that kind of quick success. So it's it's an awesome deal, man. Just a lot of fun. And um, got to say real quick, we got to give a shout out to uh, our folks at MegaWare Keelguard. They are uh, part of our show in a huge way. And uh, of course, MegaWare Keelguard, the industry's first do it yourself keel protector protecting your boat from harmful rocks and road debris get yourself a keel guard at keelguard.com man it has been crazy on the social media airwaves kurt i don't you know the giveaways and stuff of course through megaware keel guard and then also you put that picture out there right i've never seen anything like it i mean it it is just absolutely taken off so i want to encourage everybody continue to stay up to speed with us on the social media because i think you've got a couple more in store that's not too far around the corner you know me i'm wanting to let the cat out of the bag but i'm going to uh, bite my tongue kurt as you make me always do but i think you've got some good stuff planned for us there you bet we do so make sure you stay tuned to facebook you know that's where we run a lot of these giveaways and uh, we're actually getting ready to pick our winner for the nitro giveaway that we just had which is a couple of uh, bass edge dvds and and some goodies so uh appreciate everybody sharing that and also make sure you continue to follow along as aaron says there's gonna be some more things just stay up with the social media you're gonna see it out there you're gonna be excited about it there's gonna be a lot of cool stuff to win 
We want to make sure we're giving away some awesome prizes to our listeners, especially the ones that are following us on social media. Aaron, we would not be complete if we didn't mention our website. We have totally revamped some things on the website. I know a lot of people have been visiting and uh, we've got a new video coming out on the 1st and 15th of every month. So make sure you get on there at least twice a month and check that out. We also have new articles that are going to be popping up. So lots more tips, techniques, and all kinds of different formats. And uh, a lot of that thanks to one of our new partners, Nitro Boats. So really exciting times here at Bass Edge and all kinds of great stuff going on. A lot of Bass Edge stuff out there. A lot of information. And uh, of course, we're going to be talking about information a little bit later in the show. But before we do that, Kurt, we are rolling. I owe us a break. And uh, let's take that right here and we'll get back to the good stuff. This is our tackle tip from protecttheharvest.com. Hey guys, this is Mark Lassane. I'm going to give you some tips on throwing a small swim bait to catch some more fish. Here's my setup. I'm throwing a quarter ounce mushroom head with a three inch Kitek. Okay, and I'm throwing it on a seven foot medium light Akuma Helios rod. I'm using a 6.8 to one Helios reel and I'm using 10 pound sunline. So basically super easy technique. You're going to throw this thing out let it sink to the bottom, and then slow reel it back. When you feel that tension on there, just give it a quick jerk and reel that fish in. There's my tip. Thank you, guys. Awesome, Mark. Thank you. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ott Defoe, Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. And here we are back at Bass Edge Radio. Aaron, always interested in Bass Blaster, man. That thing keeps giving out the juice. Uh, make sure you get on to that email distribution list through Jay Kumar. You can sign up for that with uh, email address BassBlaster at BassGold.com. Just let them know you want to be a part of it. Real interesting video. Uh, we were talking about staying warm last month. And this month, we probably need to talk a little bit about boat safety. Man, there oh, was that a video. Is no- 
joke. I saw exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so it was an amazing deal. Uh, a couple guys down in Florida fishing a college event, and uh, man, they took a tumble. It looked like maybe their steering went out, but uh, fortunately, both of them had their life jackets on, so they were spared and uh, got right back into the boat and didn't appear to have any injuries or anything like that. But it's an amazing video and uh, really important for everybody to wear those life jackets. You know, if you're running pretty fast, anything can happen at any time. So, you know. Well, I encourage, you know, I think we also have to throw out there. It's not just the life jacket. Certainly that's one part of the equation, but also the kill switches. I mean, to me, you've got to have the kill switch attached because as you will see in that video, that was scary stuff right there. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, you see them kind of going over the side of the boat and very easily they could have got a concussion or broke their shoulder or arm, but, you know, both of them just cleared the gunnel, man. It was an amazing deal. I'm happy those guys are safe, but really important to uh, concentrate on that boat safety when we're out there on the water. You know, that's one of those big tips from Bass Watch. They also have a lot of other innovative things going on over there. Aaron, have you seen some new stuff out there? You know, it's amazing when you talk about information and innovations, and of course, those that are kind of in the business getting to go to ICAST and see certainly things that are more tackle related. Always a, a, an important factor, I think, to read as much, to to stay on top of the tackle as much as possible. But then you get into some of the terminal tackle, right? Like things that aren't just what you're tying on the end of your line to actually that have the hook exposed, you know, from the lure itself. Yeah. But yeah, it's, weights it's, to it's, line to, to hooks, Kurt. And I mean, I know that's a big thing for you. You bet. It's all the new baits. You know, the Whopper Plopper was out there years before people started winning tournaments. You know, James Watson, a Bass Edge guest in the past, really made that popular. And then all of a sudden, a lot of tournaments, you know, and a lot of success being had on the Whopper Plopper. And really to stay on the front edge of that innovation is all about what you said, getting that information through. And recently, I've been introduced to a new company that's really starting to get into the bass fishing market, a great hook company, best-selling hooks in Japan on the bass side. So kind of a crazy deal that they're just coming over here to the United States, but we're talking about Hayabusa hooks. And uh, you're going to be able to start seeing those out there in, in uh, different retail outlets. But uh, really new, innovative product. Um, they've got some coating on some of the hooks that are really cool. Makes it for some real easy, you know, hookups and penetration to the fish when you're going to set the hooks. So staying on top of any of these new types of innovation, really important to stay ahead of the game. Aaron, I know you've seen this before. You've seen it with the umbrella rig, right? That was one of the new innovations over the last, you know, eight years or so. And when that thing first came out, I remember some big fish you were catching on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been the benefactor. But I think the important thing is that when you see this information, whether it's through social media, Bass Edge, to, you know, all the various tackle warehouse, all the various places that you can go to get this. I've found, Kurt, I don't know how you do it, but I found the only way that I'll get away from the fallback, right, the security blankets that we all like to go to with our certain baits or our certain techniques, I almost have to take everything else out of my boat and just go spend a day on the water doing that, even if it's not necessarily the ideal time to be trying it, but to feel the action, to look at, okay, how does the bait react to, you know, explore all the different avenues of how to use the tackle that you're speaking of. How about you? Yeah, same same way. You know, it's super important to uh, get out there, put this stuff to use. Don't just buy it, throw it in the bottom of the boat. And, and we've all done that. So make sure you put that stuff to use and, and uh, you're going to catch a lot more fish. And uh, talking about catching more fish, we're going to have a guy right here on the line, FLW Tour Pro, T. 
teaching us all how to catch some more fish in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. We'll be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Hey, Edge listeners, this is Scott Suggs. I'm Dave Wolak. This is Chad Morgan-Taylor. Hi, I'm Chris Ball. This is Dion Hibden, and you're listening to The Edge. As we are near the new FLW Tour season kicking off just ASAP, we are lucky to have with us today a veteran of FLW competition, a Bass Edge welcome to professional angler Scott Suggs. Thanks for being here today, Scott. Hey, you bet, guys. This is going to be fun. I mean, I I always love getting around, you know, right off the bat early in the year like this. Hadn't been on the water a whole lot lately and getting to talk about different things and help us keep you fired up ready for this new season buddy it does and i am uh, so glad to have you back on it's, it's been a little while but uh, certainly the knowledge that you possess and that you're going to bring i'm confident scott as always <laughs> you're going to make up for that time lapse Hope so. Well, hey, uh, you know, I started to say that, you know, here we are, first part of February, right? What we would normally consider early spring, but the way this weather cycle has been going, I'm not sure what season that we're in. Do you feel that this can affect patterns kind of where we're at and and with what you guys are getting ready to go into? You know, what's so amazing about all that is you can pretty much take a line and draw it north, draw it from Little Rock, Little Rock, Arkansas, right here where I live, take a line put across the state, right on across Oklahoma and, you know, over to Tennessee and everything. And everything north of that, they've pretty much still had their winter. I mean, they've had a winter. They've had ice. They've had snow and stuff. But from us south, this has been one crazy year, just like we're getting rain right now, and it's going south. You know, it's all staying south a Little Rock and everything. And that's just what's so amazing is the temperature changes. One week, uh, it was in the teens and 20s. One week later, it's 70. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. It's the weirdest year I think I've ever I've ever experienced in my lifetime. It is. It's been an amazing year. You know, even down here, you know, in South Texas, it's been crazy. You know, a lot of the fish have been staying shallow, really not getting into those typical winter habits. So how do you, That's Scott, right. believe that, you know, this is going to affect the patterns of fishing in the southern half of the U.S.? You know, that line that you've drawn there, how is that going to, yeah. you know, kind of affect that spring cycle? Well, you know, the only thing about the spawn and the spring deal and everything is our fish, I've fished through the winter, and our fish on our big, you know, reservoirs here and everything still got on that wintertime deal. The shed still went deep. We still caught fish out to, you know, over 40, 42 feet and stuff. I mean, I fished, as a matter of fact, over, you know, through the middle of January, and it was all still catching fish out. My, 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 as a matter of fact, my magic depth was 38 feet. Probably the best, biggest, greatest numbers of fish this year um, through the winter time, and I owe that to them still going deep, the shed getting out there deep and everything, but the water temperature has stayed right there at that 49 to 53 degrees, and I think it's just kept them more active, and we've had a we've had a better 
winter bite all year. Now, here we go to the spawn. You're working in towards the spawn and everything. What a lot of people don't understand, Mother Nature still has her ways, and we're still going to have some winter coming. There'll be some of those blasts happen that these fish will still, you know, I've seen years close to this in my lifetime, but it always seems to work out pretty much at the same time every year, no matter what the circumstances are, that we always have the spawn right on time, maybe a week early than what you'd normally think it'd be, sometimes a week later than what you'd think it'd normally be. But it's always going to be from the last weekend in March through the first two weeks of April. It's always going to happen. And like I said, Mother Nature has her way of little kickbacks. There'll be a cold front come through right when you think they should go on. You know, maybe it's been real warm. You think, man, middle of March, we're fixing to have a spawn full moons in in middle of March. Something will happen, and it always seems to happen on time every year. Scott, it sounds like what you're saying is within those parameters, there's not a whole lot of margin of differentiation that it pretty much happens, you know, regardless of the lake or, or the part of the country, whatever that normal is, I guess, that's when it happens. So are those factors that you speak of, like the cold front, like the, you know, uh, uh, temperature swings, those are probably more mental factors than that kind of jack with the angler versus the fish. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, it is. You know, a lot of people, they want to rush things. The weather plays with so many people, you know, just like right now. We go through a week of cold, cold, and then we turn around and boom, right now we have a real warm front. Well, the first, everybody you talk to that's going over to the lake, one of the lakes fishing or whatever, man, by the end of the week, these fish are going to be on the dirt. That's because that's what your thermostat's telling. They're still the same because they're still, you know, they're running their same old course. You know, they're, the water temperature has only warmed up a degree or two, but your thermostat's telling you it's warm, that it's time to go shallow. And that's kind of the thing about it. Everybody tries to tries to rush them, but hey, don't get me wrong. Now that's the reason why a lot of different people win tournaments because some of them do make the right call. It makes them go and do things that they might not normally would have went and went and tried. If you understand what I'm saying, that person that fishes real deep all the time, all of a sudden it's got warm. He's thinking because fish do you live shallow year round on different bodies of water. Fish live deep and this guy goes and tries something because his thermostat's telling him it's warm, these fish are going shallow, and he goes and tries something, finds a group of fish that he thinks just moved up, and he wins the tournament, which more than likely that group of fish in January have lived there, you know, all winter, normally lived there and everything, but it caused his thermostat, with it getting warmer, caused him to try new things, right. discovered new things. That makes if a you lot understand of sense. what I'm saying. You bet. So, that makes tons of sense. That's what makes this game so fun. That's what makes this sport so great is because you don't really realize it, but you're always trying and willing to try new things. Well, Scott, this time of year, um, you know, we, we're going to have some fish that are obviously, you know, reacting to – the extended amount of daylight. And, and maybe that actually plays a little bit bigger role than some of us thought in the past, because you're talking about, you know, fish kind of staying with the same patterns, even though the water temp might be a few degrees higher than it typically is that time of year. You know, the fish are still holding back and not really jumping up there like we all really <laughs> we all really want them to. Right, or at exactly least right. some of us do. So when you're looking for, you know, a typical scenario of fish before they move up in those spawning flats, what kind of areas are you looking for that you feel 
feel like are going to be productive for you? Like I say, I winter fish a lot. And everything you do on a big reservoir, on just about anybody of water, during your wintertime months and stuff, always relate around some kind of a channel sling. And I start with channel sling type places. I try to find these fish. I love to fish deep super deep. I love to fish in trees. I love to fish for suspended fish. And I try to do all this in channel sling type areas. When you're winter fishing, I do things backwards. I go to the back of a creek. I'll start towards the back and I'll start fishing swings and I'll start working them all the way the opposite direction. I go from the back out. I start looking for those areas and trying to figure out exactly how, look, these fish are holding in the first thirds of these creeks. This is simple. I can run the lake now. And that's what I start doing. They're either going to be on the upper, middle part of the swing, or the lower end of the swing, or they're going to be around the first or so flat or point that's adjacent to that swing that that swing tips off of. Pretty simple. But then, in the spring, this time of year coming up, I start doing the opposite. I work from the out in. I work from the front of the creek to the back of the creek. And I try to follow these fish and stay with them as they make that move. Then I'll start widening myself to bigger flats. And as these fish really start this migration, I'll even quit worrying about the swings. I'll just start going to the flatter stuff and the flatter stuff or point-type situations. Then next thing, the pocket situation, backs of pockets. And I just follow that migration. I know that sounds kind of probably confusing to some or whatever, but that's my typical because, see, I deer hunt all through November and December, so I, I really start winter fishing in January. So I haven't been on the water in a couple of months, and that's my basic pattern to finding wintertime fish and then pursuing them on into the spring. Hey, Scott, let me throw out something there real quick because I, th- I thought it made perfect sense to me. But one question I always am curious of, when you're running that pattern and you're starting from the front, working towards the back of the creek and then looking at the channels and then eventually flats, does it make a difference like if there's wood or rock or are you mainly totally focused on the steepness and the swing of, of where that channel and then eventually the flatter stuff and there happens to be rock or wood there? That's just a coincidence. That just- adds to the pie you know if there's wood there or whatever timber or whatever but i don't pay any attention to my rock formations or anything i pay attention to the swing itself and that's the thing about it i got some buddies of mine that call a lot of my places ugly places that's our favorite that's our favorite places to fish on on lake washington stuff are the ugly places because there'll be swings on the bank It'll be just a regular old just gravel bank, the most do-nothing thing you've ever seen in your entire life. But what people don't understand, for that to be a swing and for that to have its sharpness there and everything, under the water is a total different view. It's ledge rock. It's got the steep drop to it. It's stair steps most of the time in those gravel places like that. It's stair steps, turns to ledge rock down there about 25 feet, 20 to 25 feet. And it's a whole different look under the water. And these places don't get quite as much attention from other anglers. They just bypass them because they don't look right to them by the eye. Well, Scott, I think it's a very systematic approach. I think it's going to make a ton of sense to the listeners. And I love the fact that it doesn't matter what's out there. It's all about what the contours are showing you and that, you know, that is the sweet part of it. It's only added pleasure if if there's some other things associated with it in the cover-oriented aspects like rocks and wood like Aaron was discussing. I think that's an awesome description and great systematic approach. Let me ask you this next question real quick, and that is there's going to be a lot of people out there, you know, this – 
first half of February that might be looking for that first bed fish, you know, that might get up shallow and start cruising around for it. Where should they be looking in this early part of spring? The very first thing we do, we have certain places that we look on. Like my home likes Washtenaw, so I relate to it a lot. But the first place we look is we look in bays that have a good deep ditch, I call it, a channel into those bays. And usually the fish will be on like the second secondary pocket or point. It's usually they'll they'll show up. It'll just be one. I mean, he may show up two weeks early, and it may be a couple, but usually that's the first place you're going to see them because they'll come in. That's the first place, you know, they come to that ice hall is comfortable to them, protected to them and everything, and it's still adjacent to deep water. It's real close to deep water. As it warms up, you know, then they'll fill the back of the area up and stuff and really get on with it. Very good. Yeah, for me, there's nothing like seeing that first bed fish of the year. I just got, <laughs> I, I get chill bumps. And uh, But, hey, Scott, we're going to take a quick break. Looking forward to diving into more bass fishing. Bass Edge Radio will be right back with FLW Tour Angler, Scott Suggs. Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a super start battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Edge Radio presented by Megaware Killguard returns with FLW Tour Pro Scott Suggs and the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. From real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. It certainly does. And, Scott, you signed on a new major partner last year. Can you tell our listeners about those products? You're running the big uh, Ranger Boat Wrap. What you got there? Oh, I've signed with a new group out of St. Louis. It's called Popticals. It's a new sunglass company, and they're just now basically getting their stuff out and they've got some really really cool stuff it's a pair of sunglasses i mean they have a lot of different styles and everything but it folds up into a little bitty hard plastic carrying case that you can carry in your front pocket and it's just amazing how comfortable these glasses are how easy they are to use and everything but being able to carry them in your front pocket you know i mean over the years we've had these great old big sunglass cases and messing with them and carrying them and forgetting them and losing glasses i mean it's really made life simple and then the other great thing about those glasses are Zias. Everybody's known, well known with the Zias scope company. What a great scope, you know, and great, great optics. They build all the lenses for these glasses. So pretty cool thing. Everybody needs to check them out. Well, that's exciting because I hate to say it, Scott, but, you know, I'm not as young as what I once was. And uh, certainly my <laughs> eyes are not as good either. So uh, being able to uh, to keep track of all the glasses, the readers and the sunglasses and having that option to be able to stick in my front pocket and keep from setting Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, like you said, our eyes are nowhere near where they used to be. I, in spawning season, like we were talking about, Oh gosh, I wish I could tape a 
pair of binoculars to my eyes if I can. <laughs> well, that's good stuff there. You know, everyone seems to really enjoy the new MLF, the Major League Fishing format. The diehard fans obviously notice you have had some great success throwing that bladed jig. Is that one of your confidence baits, I, I guess, is the right question? And if so, why is that the case? Well, you know, I mean, it is one of my confidence baits and everything. And I kind of owe it all back to, especially when he fished FLW with us all the time and everything, Brett Hyatt. I mean, take your time and look back at what Brett's done with the bladed jig over the years. I mean, won several, several, several major events. And I loved throwing it before that. And he just taught me so much more about it. And then I've been able to take what he's taught me about it, the proper things to do with it and everything, and, and extended it into my arsenal and what I'm comfortable with and it's really become a great shallow water super versatile bait and whenever I go to a new area I'm needing to cover water fast and need to get some bites kind of get an idea what fish are doing that's my go-to. So what are some of those things you know if a bass edge listener picks up that bladed jig is it just a chuck and wine kind of deal or what are you trying to no, do with the, that jig? The deal with that jig is what took me so hard and long to learn and and everything was, you need to treat that bait like a crankbait. So if I'm throwing it on a medium heavy action rod, a lot of times I'll throw it on medium with fluorocarbon. If I'm throwing it on a medium heavy, something a little bit stiffer, something I'm wanting to be able to have, feel like I've got more strength with, I throw it on monofilament. And the reason why is, like I said, you need to treat that bait like a crankbait. My problem was that Brett helped me with, I used to throw it on braid all the time. And I know there's a ton of people that throw it on braid, but you lose a lot of fish with braid. You fill them before they ever get the bait. And so I lost so many fish. I made a cut one year down at, down at Okeechobee and Brett won the tournament. And I lost like three, five pounders the last day or whatever. And Brett goes, dude, come on. I, let, I go over there and check with Brett. He's throwing it on a cranking rod <laughs> right, and right. you know i mean that really helped me and from that point on when i went to changing my rods changing my line trying to balance it all out treat it more like a crankbait instead of a you know a power true power bait with braid on it and all that my numbers went straight up well speaking of you know the bladed jig and to kind of leapfrog on that what other types of lures are going to be on your front deck you know when that water temperature swings in around that mid to high 50s range well when it starts doing that you know of course everybody's going have a jerk bait. Everybody's going to have a lipless bait. We're going to go to a. So I, I mean, I, I like to lay out the half dozen rods on my front deck, and that's what I like to have on. I like to have a lipless. I still, I'm old school. I'm real old school. I still, if it's a lake with a rock in it and, and made right and everything, I still love the old crawdad colored we are. I mean, that's my probably my biggest go-to bait. I mean, you hardly ever seen bait throwing a we are. Hey, it's an old old bait, but it's new to the fish these days because they hadn't seen it in forever. All right, and they they weren't even alive when we used to throw it. So I mean, that's that's me. I go back a lot. Of, I throw a lot of old stuff because it's new to the fish. And if you look over the years, these baits hadn't changed much. All it's changed is the paint job on them. Right. So. Right. I mean, it's a confidence deal. That's the biggest part of a lot of this. In the spring, you have so many different opportunities, so many different ways to locate these fish like you're talking about when that water hits 50-something degrees. The biggest tip I can give anybody is whatever your confidence bait is, that's the one you need to do the most looking with because every time you pick something up and take off with it, if you don't get bit pretty quick on it, it's always in the back of your mind, man, are they even wanting this? Am I doing the right thing or whatever? 
Go searching with your confidence base. All right, good stuff there. Real quick, earlier in the show, we talked about significant up and down weather and temperature, you know, water rising and dropping as far as the temperature goes, you know, just so that we know we're going to see some more fronts, you know, it's just early February. If these fish have moved up a little bit and there are big fronts that come in, do you feel like they're going to stay up and still stay in those, you know, kind of pre-spawn modes or are they going to drop back to those wintering locations where you had such success, you know, earlier in the year fishing like at your home lake you talked about catching those kinds of numbers. Can you give our listeners a little bit of a clue sure. on what's going to happen in those type of scenarios. It's always been my opinion, and this is one unbelievable question. I mean, this question probably racks more brains than, <laughs> than any other question out there. Once these fish come up and they get ready for the spawn and they're there and a cold front hits, it depends on what stage they're at. If those fish were already on the bed or they're fixing to go to the bed and they're just right there, they're not going anywhere. Even if they're on the bed, you're going to see them. You can go in there one day and look and see one on a bed, cold front hits, and he's gone. That fish is within sight of that bed, I promise you. And you just have to slow way down. You have to pick a new technique, probably like more like a, I like to throw a football jig now when that's happening. Something I can fish slow, something I can drag. I like to throw a Carolina rig then. But once those fish come up, they're not going. And that's just like we'll have that big rush come in like two weeks before the spawn. Those deep fish will come up and get on the bank, and everybody will be racking them. Once that big load comes up, they are not even bedding yet. It's that big first flight that comes in. Once those fish come, they're not going back. All right, there you go. That's a great tip for our folks. And we need another tip right here. we got to go to our O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day, listener question segment. I thought this one was right down your alley, Scott. we got uh, Lee Davidson from Kansas, and Lee asked this. I live in Kansas where many of our lakes are in farmland drainage areas. That means silt. How do you deal with lakes with silted bottoms? Well, one of the things I do is probably being there probably not a real deep like then if it's silted like that one of the things i like to do if it's not deep enough to use good electronics in and try to find that hard pan there's going to be a hard pan in that like somewhere in those different bodies of water and one of the things i like to do on the river system here at home looking for shell beds because we catch a lot of our fish in five to six feet of water i like to take a piece of half inch emp conduit I put it in my boat. And when I'm running around, I'm up shallow or, you know, I'm looking for that hard pan or whatever. I take that pipe and I stick it over. If that pipe makes that old nasty, mudgy sound, I keep on going. I keep looking. And through the day, I'm going to hit a place where when I drop that thing down, it tings. It ting, ting, ting. I know I'm on a shell bed. I'm on a hard pan or something. And here's the deal. In a lake like that, if you can just find you a couple of little places that you can get that ting out of that half-inch conduit, you'll own every tournament around there. Wow. I've never heard that before, Scott. Love it. That is going in my mental arsenal. And uh, there you go. Certainly appreciate you answering that question for Lee. And Lee, I need uh, something from you. You need to send us an email. Again, simply log on to BassEdge.com and click the Claim Your Prize tab and let us know that you heard Scott Suggs answer your question on the show and we will send out your O'Reilly Auto Parts gift.
gift card. And as always, a reminder, Bass Edge listeners, keep sending in those questions via our website, BassEdge.com, or shoot us an email to support at BassEdge.com. Have a shot at winning an O'Reilly Auto Part gift card. Well, Scott, thanks again for being with us back on Bass Edge. Certainly a uh, long-term friend of the show that uh, we've done several TV shows together and certainly several of these episodes. Any closing thoughts for Bass Edge Nation out there before we shut it down? No, not really. You know, I mean, the only thing is spring's coming. There's going to be a lot of people out there fishing. You've got more kids and young people now than ever. You've got college, high school. What an unbelievable deal. We've got all these guys, young guys fishing, ladies too. And uh, it's just more people on the water. There was an accident this week down in Florida and everything with the University of Florida's team. They had a boating accident. All I can say is lakes are going to be a little more crowded now. We're getting bass fishing is getting to where we want it. We're getting everybody interested into it. And uh, all I can say is keep your head up, be safe, and uh, catch a lot of fish. Awesome. Well, Scott, it's been a great interview. We're going to send you off with our segment, Four Last Questions for You. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Would you catch a fish on the first cast of the day? I would, but I don't like to. I like to catch it on the second one. How much does the MLF score tracker really affect you? If I'm leading, it doesn't. If I'm not, it really bugs the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Who is your first paying sponsor? Pizza Hut. What is the last picture you took with your phone? Um, Of a crappie. There you go. Thanks, Scott. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Scott Suggs, once again, bringing the goodies. You know, he's been around Bass Edge a long time. You kind of referred to it a little bit earlier, Aaron, but, uh, you know, he's part of our DVD pack, as some of our shows that we've done in the past for television. Also been a guest here with Bass Edge on the podcast several times, and it always seems like Scott's got something new to say, something that's really going to help us catch more fish. Long-term friend of the project, no doubt, which is why he's been uh, involved with almost every aspect of the Bass Edge media that we've done and like you said he does bring a tremendous amount of innovation and variety and newness to his approach but one thing that does stay consistent Kurt is strategy he always talks about having a plan. You're exactly right. I think for me, that is the biggest thing that I'm going to take from this interview. And I think the listeners really need to focus on, you know, he talked a lot about how he likes to attack the lake, right? You know, channel swings, working front to back and all all those types of things. No, No sense to rehash that. But the bigger picture there is the strategy and the systematic approach that he takes to that strategy. You know, thinking about time of year, 
fish behavioral patterns for that particular time of year, then not only going out there with a strategy, but taking a systematic approach to that strategy. He's working from the front to the back, and you can take that to all parts of your fishing, you know, from preparation all the way through to, you know, summertime patterns, fall patterns, winter patterns. I mean, really taking that systematic approach. I believe Scott shows everybody how to break down a body of water with your thought process on where the fish are based on a particular time of year. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, speaking of systematic approach, ours has to be, we got to shut it down. So uh, just want to send a reminder, keep sending in those questions. Stay with us on our social media and certainly through BassEdge.com. Also, Kurt, reminder to you, don't forget, send Rhonda flowers. Valentine's Day is just a few days away. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. So long, everybody. We will see you next time, February 15th, episode number 250. The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.